take your Bible, if you would, and we're going to go over to Psalm chapter, thank you, thank you so much, uh, I'm just kidding, Psalm chapter 145, if you would, and uh, one of the prerequisites for all of the men on staff is we had to marry women who could sing, and uh, I don't know if we made that a rule or not, but praise the Lord for that, and we hire all of our staff based on whether or not their wives can sing, so um, that's not true, but we are certainly blessed. And uh, if you have a musical ability and you're a member of Faith Baptist Church, we'd love for you to serve. You can see Mrs. Herring. And uh, Mrs. Herring, where are you at? Where are you at, me? Okay, Mrs. Herring. And uh, she helps put all of our music together. And so if you'd like to sing and are a member at Faith, uh, we'd love to hear uh, you offer that gift to Jesus. And again, it's not a performance. It's an offering to Jesus. And uh, I'm pretty intentional about not calling this a platform because uh, I don't want performances done on a platform. And, uh, but uh, what a privilege to be able to be here today. <clears throat> We're on our way to Psalm chapter 145. Uh, forgive my voice. I'm just clearing out some stuff this morning, just on the tail end of a little bit of sickness. Not contagious. Uh, I was contagious last Sunday, okay? So if you got sick, it's probably my fault. But I got sick from you, so we'll just call it even then. Um, but uh, if you're around here at Faith for any amount of time, you've probably realized and recognized that I seldom uh, preach themed messages based solely on the calendar. Now, that's, that's not without exception. There are a few exceptions. When it comes to maybe Mother's Day or Father's Day, I'll dedicate the service and I'll, I'll lean into those really important institutions of authority that God has structured uh, into the home. I want to talk every Father's Day about being a father, every Mother's Day about being a mother. Uh, there's the exceptions, which really I don't even consider these exceptions to the rule, but uh, Christmas and Easter, those are, those are holidays that, I mean, Christianity is built around those. And uh, so it's not like we're stopping in the middle of a service to celebrate like Canadian Boxer Day. Uh, we're, we're really leaning into some really important things on Easter and Christmas. Um, but I did find a unique slot of time for these next two weeks. We're kind of in between series. We just finished out a series on true purpose, and uh, we were examining what is the purpose of all of this, the purpose of Christ, the purpose of man, uh, the purpose of our home and relationships. And we, we spent a lot of time on that, about four weeks. And uh, that was the series that ended last week. And on December the 3rd, so two Sundays from, well, really two Sundays from today, yeah, December the 3rd, we're going to begin our Christmas series. And I just got to say, I absolutely love Christmas uh, series. Uh, normally, I'll preach one year on uh, really the, the doctrine and theology of Christmas because there's just so much there to study. And then the following year, I'll preach more of the applicational story portion of the, stu- the, the, the Christmas story and, and uh, how it applies to us and how, uh, you know, the the word was working in different people at different times. Uh, so I'm excited about getting to Christmas. But this morning, I found a two-week slot uh, where we're going to lean into a Christian's responsibility to offer Thanksgiving. And I don't think this is my first time preaching on the topic of Thanksgiving, but I am excited to be able to cover it this week and next week. So this morning, I'm just going to tell you out of the gate what I'm going after, okay? Sometimes it kind of like lead you along and then I try to get you uh, with the hook. There's no hook this morning. I'm just going to tell you right up front. I am after your will this morning. Uh, it is something that I believe that you and I should commit to our creator, our will. Let me give you a definition before I kind of explain. The definition of will is this, the faculty of my mind by which we determine either to do or to forbear the doing of an action. It's the faculty which is exercised in deciding among two or more objects which we shall embrace and pursue and which we will reject, okay? So that's what will is. You could think maybe in terms of free will. That's probably, you know, if we were playing Family Feud and I said, Will, give me your first topic, you'd probably all think free will or will Wales. That's also a possibility this morning. Uh, But uh, man, you guys don't enjoy my jokes today. Praise the Lord. Wake up. We're going to stand together. I'm just kidding. Help me if you would. Um, uh, That would be a blessing. So free will is definitely within the, the, the mindset or the scope of what I'm talking about. But I'm speaking less about free will 
and more about a particular phrase I want you to capture, okay? And if, if the jokes aren't funny, at least the, the truth can be good. So please catch this. I desire, okay, I, the truth's always good, but the jokes are there too, okay? So I'm just trying to give you both. You can relax a little bit. The idea of I will, not free will, but I will. Now, I want you to recognize that's a statement we use all the time, right? We'll say, hey, uh, what are you doing? Well, I- I'm going to go to bed or I will go to bed. I-, I will go to the grocery store. I will go home after this service today. That's a statement of decision. And we all recognize that. You're deciding I am willing myself to do something. I'm using my decision-making capacity, my, the function of mind that decides between two objects. Instead of staying at, at uh, uh, you know, the house today, you chose that you will go to church. And so you're present today because of your volition and will. Those are two little words, two syllables, but it's quite big. It's a declarative statement. It's an uncompromising statement. Whenever you make the statement, I will anything, what you're saying is, I for myself decide to exercise my free will to do the following. So I'm choosing right now, I will do that. And what you're deciding is that I'm going to, I'm not going to be deterred. I'm setting my mind on something and I will do it. Let me give you an example. Okay. Um, Maybe you're not in the laughing mood, but we're all in the mood for tacos. Can I get an amen? Okay. Praise the Lord. If you said today after church, I will get tacos and all of God's people said, Amen. amen. Okay. That's great. What you're saying is this, I am willing myself to get in the car, to drive to a taco place, to spend the money, to get the tacos and consume the tacos. Now, all of that is in those three, those, those, that little phrase, I will eat tacos. Now, don't miss this. When you make that statement, you make that statement before you know a lot of details. This is really important. You're saying, if you said today, I will eat tacos, here's what you're, here's what you're inferring in that short little statement. You're saying, I will doesn't matter how long the line is. I will. It doesn't matter how much traffic I might catch between here and there. I will. It doesn't matter how good they would be. I don't know if the wrong cooks in in the kitchen today, but I'm still, if I say I will do it, that means regardless of what comes between me and it, I will do it. So I will is a declarative statement made without all of the knowledge and details that must be walked through in order to accomplish that. We're going to go through more on that later. But this morning, the will I'm after uh, is that you and I will praise him. Uh, My hope today is that as we come to the text in Psalm 145, you're going to find it over and over and over and over again. In Psalm 145, David's going to say, I will. In fact, look at the first two words of the chapter. Just let your eyes scan the chapter, and you're going to find that phrase over and over and over again, where David is saying, I'm going to do this regardless of what comes next. So I'm not asking you to sign up for something that you don't know all the details to. You know what you're going to do. The Lord willing, at the end of the day, you're going to walk out of the room with a decision that says, I will praise him. I will worship and extol him. But I want you to know this on the front end of it. You don't know what all that entails. You don't know what tomorrow entails. If you make a commitment to praise today, you don't know what you're going to have to walk through tomorrow. But the declarative statement is, no matter what comes, I will praise the Lord. And that's exactly what David is going after. He didn't need all the details and he certainly didn't have all the details. He just had the responsibility to extol and to praise his God. And I want to encourage you this week as we look at Thanksgiving, that you and I would surrender in faith to this process that says, I will praise. Let's look in the text and you're going to see it all over. You've probably already seen it a few times in the text, just letting your eyes wander. Psalm 145, verse number one says, David's psalm of praise. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will 
Bless thy name. Let's do this. The rest of the text as we read it, every time I come to the phrase, I will, I want you just to read it out loud. Verse number two. Every day will I bless thee and praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. That's one of the reasons and we're going to get to the reasons tonight in the evening service, but that's one of the reasons. It's unsearchable. You can never get to the bottom of why he deserves more praise. It's just, it's a deep, deep well. You keep bringing up reasons to praise him and you're never going to get to the bottom of the reasons to praise him. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of thy might, of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. Then shall abundantly, forgive me, they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. Now, I, I want to and I encourage you to go home and read verses 8 through 21, the rest of the chapter. What you're going to find is just one reason after another reason after another reason for why you and I should say, I will praise him. There are so many reasons listed. In fact, it was kind of a funny uh, uh, kind of time of study for me. I, I started to just highlight uh, as I walked through in my text, I started to highlight the reasons. And uh, as I was walking through, I realized at the end of all the verses, I had highlighted essentially every single word except the words like and and but. Uh, it's just one, one thing after another after another of reasons to praise him. And I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Tonight, I actually have uh, a handout of notes. I'm not sure where I put it. A handout of notes. Here it is. And uh, we're going to give every person one of these tonight. And uh, we're going to walk through and fill out the reasons. I think I have 13. There's plenty more. I counted 23, but we boiled a, f- a few of them down. And then at the end of the service tonight, uh, we're gonna, you're going to go through and make your own Thanksgiving list. And Tuesday, you're going to show up with this in hand, ready to praise God. Not just a haphazard fall into service and, oh, what am I thankful for? I want you to take time this week and really realize these are real reasons David said, I'm going to praise him because of that. And I'm going to praise him because of that. I'm going to praise him for this reason. And that text possesses many of the reasons. I'll say this too. It's not an exhaustive list because as he said, it's unsearchable. You're never going to get beyond another. There's always another reason to praise him. There's always another goodness that he's bestowed upon you. There's always another a moment of mercy where he withheld his judgment from you. And so it's a short list. It's 13. We're going to go over it tonight, but read the text this uh, afternoon if you would. What we're going after this morning are three I will decisions. Three decisions you need to make. I will do this regardless of what comes between me and the moment I do it. Just like when you say, I will go to bed. That that means regardless of what it takes from here to there, I'm going to do it. Regardless of what it takes from here to praise, God, I'm going to do it. Regardless of what you send in my life in this stage, I'm going to praise you because that's what David says as an example and God expects from us as his people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get after it. Father, bless us today. I pray you'd help your people this morning. I pray you'd help me as your preacher. I pray, God, that you would uh, allow the exchange of information to be more than just an exchange of information. I pray, God, that as we lean into the text, we realize what we're working with is the forever settled in heaven word of God. What we're working with are the expectations inspired and breathed to man given to us in this book so that we might understand the way that we ought to live and walk. And so, Father, this morning, as we see the example of David and his declarative faith-filled statements of I will, I pray that we will. I pray that each of us would, would recognize this is not just David's responsibility, but it's, it's Casey's responsibility. And it's each and every person's responsibility this morning to praise you in these particular ways. So God bless us, guide the study. I pray, Father, for your spirit upon us this morning. In Christ's name we ask, amen. 
Now, we're going to jump right in, and we're looking for three declarative I wills. Now, I think there was probably six in the seven verses or so that we read. There's a couple verses that have two, uh, and we're just going to boil them down into three, if you will. So let's jump into Psalm chapter 145, verse number one. Read the first two words out loud with me, if you would. I will. So notice the intention and direction. David is pushing himself and saying, I'm going to do this. My free will and decision-making capacity, I am gearing and directing toward this. Well, toward what? I will extol thee, my God, O King. And I will. I'm making a decision right now to exercise my strength and my ability, regardless of the outcomes. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Before we kind of put I will into a single statement, uh, we need to define both of those words. It's really important. The word extol means this, to lift high, to elevate, to declare the majesty. And here's what David says. I'm committing myself right now, regardless of what comes to the, the, the task, the responsibility of extolling God, of elevating him, of worshiping him, of directing praise toward him, of recognizing and declaring his majesty. Then he says that second word, that word bless. And this means to praise, but it also means it has an undertone to it. And the undertone is this, to worship prostrate, to lay down flat, to kneel before your God. So here's what David just said. I will extol. I'm going to lift you up and recognize your majesty. Oh, my God, O king. I will bless. Uh, That means I'm going to humbly worship and praise you. I will bless thy name forever and ever. So here's the first thing David committed to in this text. And you and I need to reconcile to our life. And you and I need to, to make this statement ourselves. Is that I will praise him because he is my God. And he is my, I bet you know the last word. King. He is my God and he is my king. Those two titles should cause us pause this morning, and they're worthy of our understanding and contemplation. Listen, if you get nothing through the rest of the service, okay, and I know it may be warm in here, or you guys had too much hot cocoa last night or something, but if you get nothing else, I will give you the rest of the day off if you catch this statement. Are you with me? You say, Pastor, you're going to let us out? No, not a chance, okay? But you can, you, can, you can zone out and go back to sleep. If you're asleep, wake up for this. Listen to this. Christians should praise God not based on what he does, but based on who he is. That's exactly what David just told us. David said, I'm going to praise you because you've blessed me. Not what he said. Now listen, should we praise God when he blesses us? Yes. But the praise of a Christian shouldn't be contingent on what God does for them, but on who God is to them. And David said, you are my God and my king. And therefore, I will extol you. Therefore, I will bless you because you are who you are. So much of popular Christianity today is built on the bubblegum machine method or model of of their relationship with God. They they treat God as though he's just a bubblegum machine that I can drop in my church attendance, turn the thing, and get some reward out of it. I remember when I was a kid, one of my family members uh, uh, enjoyed gambling in Tahoe. I'm certainly not advocating for gambling in Tahoe. This illustration will point to the opposite, obviously. And this woman would go, and and, uh, she told me, she said, oh, I said, well, why do you go? She said, oh, there's this one machine, this one slot machine that's always so good to me. And uh, when I go there, man, I drop it in and I've made money off this machine. The other machines haven't been good to me. So I go back to Tahoe to go to this one slot machine. Sound a little bit like a lot of Christianity. I go to church because he's good to me. And if I go on Sunday, I'm going to have a blessing. And if I pray, he's going to 
Give good things to me. And they treat Jesus like a slot machine, a bubblegum machine, a boyfriend, call it whatever you want. There is no praise and adoration based on who he is. It's all based on what he does for me. Now, listen, Christian, we can't escape the reality uh, that, that, listen, God will bless those who are obedient, right? Uh, that's just part of it. But the fact of the matter is our praise isn't rooted on what he does for us. Our praise should be rooted on who he is to us. Our kneeling, our blessing should be done both in the mountain and in the valley. Uh, We should worship and bless his holy name when we get the raise, but also in the hospital stay. With the blessing should come the worship of our God, but also in the breaking should come the worship of our God. You see, if we're just waiting on what he does for us, we'll praise him when he's good, and we'll forget him when he's bad. And please notice the air quotes, okay? God is never bad. He's never evil. He may do some things that to us feel very, very painful, but afterward yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness or afterward conforms us to the image of his son. And so nothing he ever does is bad. It all works together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But in our human mind, we say, okay, raise equals praise. I I didn't mean to rhyme that, okay? See, I thought that was funny. That's ridiculous. I'm done with you guys. Mo, come back and help us, would you please? Listen, what he's done is not to be forgotten. We, we should praise him for, I mean, he sought us. He saved us. And he chased us down and brought us back to himself and gives us once again the blessing we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. What he's done, his marvelous works in our sight are worthy of our praise. But whether he does those things or not, he is still worthy of our praise. Whether he allows the job layoffs to skip over our department or not, he is still king and he is still God. And he is still worthy of our praise. Can we just lean into that word for just a second? I love the word worthy. It has to me so much. It's inundated my own prayer life. Um, It's almost like that stick that props the fence up for me lately. Uh, As I've just been thinking and mulling and, and just contemplating on the idea of the worthiness of our God. Listen, worthy is a word that, that you and I need to recognize belongs to our creator. The worth of our God is immeasurable. Uh, in fact, Revelation 4, 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Right now I'm sitting on a, on a set of sermon notes that I've been writing over the last couple of weeks that deal with this idea of the worthiness of our God. But let me just capture it in, in, in essence, and maybe the Lord will let me preach it, maybe he won't, and maybe it's just for me, I don't know. Maybe it was for just for this sermon, I'm not sure. But let me capture the idea for just a second. He is worthy of my life, of my praise, and of my labor, and every bit of it that I can render toward him. And, and here's, here's, here's the opposite side of that. Sometimes this life and the things we do do not feel like it's a worthy effort or a worthy cause. You understand what I'm saying? I, let me kind of appropriate that. Sometimes we pay a price for something, and what we get for it, it just wasn't worth it. Maybe sometimes we go through a hurt in life and the back end of it doesn't bring forth some glorious victory or some great triumph. And we walk through some heartbreak and we get to the end of it and we just say, well, that wasn't worth it. And, and, and you might not even be wrong. Sometimes people, we think, man, this isn't, they're not worthy of the work and effort I put in. I, I did all this and then, you know, they ended up running away from God or I, I poured my life into this. <clears throat> and then just the outcome is not commensurate for the sacrifice that was required. Maybe someone that you love brings so much hurt into your life, it's just not worthy of even salvaging or continuing that relationship. It's an unavoidable part of reality. Sometimes the gap is just too big between what you pay and what you get. We've probably all spent money on something we thought wasn't worthy of the money we spent. 
Maybe we bought a car or a television or some, some item or something. And what we paid for it, we thought at the moment would be worth it. Turns out later it just wasn't worth it. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've all experienced that gap, that disparity between what it cost me and what I got. We've all sacrificed something that maybe in the moment felt like a good sacrifice, but what came in return was not commensurate to the cost. We've all poured into relationships that have left us on the losing end of that exchange. We've all done it. But here's where worthy comes in. That has never happened this way. There are people that a sacrifice is not worthy of. And that's why we don't live to serve people. If, we, if you go in serving in any ministry for the praise of people or even for the, like there, so the praise of people, that's, that's a not a noble thing. You just want praise. But there's other noble reasons to be in ministry. You want people to grow. You want people to succeed. You want people to re- reflect Jesus. And sometimes you pour your whole life into that and it doesn't happen. But was it worth it? Not this way. He is worthy of it. There's nothing you and I will ever give or walk through or surrender that we do for Jesus, that he is not worthy of it all. That he is not worthy of every shred of sacrifice, every moment of sleeplessness, every physical pain, every malady he allows, every disappointment that he calls you to walk through. If he's called you to do it for the glory of Jesus, then he is worthy of what he is asking of you. He is more than worthy of every praise. We cannot bow low enough. We cannot possibly praise enough to even the scales. There is a massive disparity when it comes to what we give and how worthy he is. Yes, sometimes there's a disparity between what I give and what people maybe receive or reciprocate or recognize, but there's never, there's a gap, but it's the other way. Between what he is worthy of and what I give, I'll never even those scales. Every sacrifice you have laid at his feet, he is worthy of. Every word of praise spoken through tears, he is worthy of. Every act of service, he is more than worthy to receive. And if you get discouraged and weary and well-doing, it's probably because you're doing it this way. Because you're never going to outgive or outserve or outsuffer the worth of your Savior. He's worthy of everything he would ever call you through and everything he'll ever take you through. So the very first I will this morning should be I will praise him because of who he is. The second I will actually answers a follow-up question. When should we praise him? I love this one. Look at verse number two. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Number two, I will praise him. Number one was because of who he is. Number two, I will praise him every day for the rest of all eternity. Look at the first word of verse number two. Now, the word every day in the Hebrew means Every day, okay? So you don't need to be a scholar to understand that. It means always. In fact, there's a follow-up thought there where it not just says every day, but then it says forever. And then I love it because in my mind, it's, it's like a, uh, I want to be careful. I'm not, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but a child will go ever and ever because they feel like, man, let me just really drive this home, right? And obviously the Lord under inspiration gives us this idea that we ought to praise him. David says, I'm going to commit no matter what comes, I'm going to direct my will and volition and my decision-making ability to praising him every day forever and ever. Now listen, I said in the beginning, it's a statement of decision, right? It's a declarative statement. I'm going to do it regardless. But not only is it a statement of decision, it's also a statement of faith. Because think with me about this. Think about all the missing details of that sentence. When David says, every day, I'm going to praise him. To be honest with you, 
This might seem a little bit weird, and the Lord gave me the illustration just right now, so maybe it will be weird. Um, You can't even today say, every day I'll brush my teeth. But think about it. Think about it. You may be laid up in the hospital unconscious. You can't make that decision. And yet David here says, I don't know what tomorrow's going to be. I don't know a lot of details about every day forever and ever, but I'm making a decision with my will right now that every day I'm going to praise him. You know what he didn't know? Whether or not God would be good to him. He didn't know if tomorrow was going to be okay. He didn't know life was going to be easy or not easy. He didn't know what mood he was going to be in in six months and three hours from the day he wrote this psalm. But here's what he said. Not knowing all the details, he said this, every single day for the rest of all eternity, I'm going to praise my God. Every day is definitely going to include, let me just kind of just break even with you. Every day is definitely going to include birthdays, going to include anniversaries. But it's also going to include anniversaries of heartbreak. It's also going to include, every day is going to include days by the graveside. Days where he allows affliction. Days where pain is your norm. Every day is going to include days of massive disappointment. And we're talking every day. I'm not saying every day you're going to be disappointed. I'm saying if from now to every day, all the way through eternity. Now, once we get to the eternity part, none of this is going to exist. Praise God for that, right? That's when we're redeemed back into that final possession. It's going to be great. But every day between now and the day I see Jesus, that's going to include some days where he says no. Some days where I really feel like I need this to happen. And God says, no, am I going to praise him then too? Because if the will and direction of my mind is to say, I'm going to do it, then that means when that day comes and he says, no, Man, I still got to do it. Every day is going to include days where he asks me to walk with heartache and no clear answer. That's one of the harder things in Christianity. Like, like it's okay, in, in, at least in my understanding, at least, at least you know, the way that my mind works. Hey, Lord, if you give me a clear calling and I'm just going to walk through hardship, but I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, Lord, I can do that. You know what's really hard in Christianity? When you're walking through with no clear direction and it hurts. Like when you got clear direction and it hurts, man, I'm going to press through. You know, we're more than conquerors. You know, we can do this. But what about when it just, man, life's just hard and I'm not totally sure which direction and I'm not living in sin. I'm trying to do what you want, but God, I just don't have clarity on this. And man, it hurts. And you, what do you want me to do? And he doesn't answer. You know what he's worthy of? Praise. Extolling. Blessing. Think about the man who wrote these words. Here's David, right? This is the man who wrote the words. David is a man who buried both a baby and adult children. That was part of David's every day for all of it, forever and ever. This is the man who was betrayed by both his father-in-law, Saul, in his attempts to kill him after he was anointed. This is also a man who was betrayed by his son when Absalom took the throne and tried to kill him. And every day in the caves, and every day as a fugitive from the throne he once held, was a day of praise. David understood how life worked, but he also understood who God was. And he says as much in Psalm 30. And if you want to turn back, you can. Psalm chapter 30, verse number four. David writes this and says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. David said this, listen. He says, every day, forever and ever, I will praise. Is that a decision you have made today? 
We're getting ready to go into Thanksgiving, and man, I hope the holidays are wonderful. I hope you enjoy Christmas. I hope you get some extra time off. I hope that you get to enjoy some great food and don't burn your turkey. I I hope that for you. But if every day, if we're going to be honest with every day, man, I... And I don't want to get like overly emotional on this idea, but year over year, there's, there's people who won't be here next year. Some will backslid. Some might even pass. Some will move. In that every day, will we praise him? Some of you may not have, and I don't mean to be morbid or anything, but some of you may not have health next year at this time. But that's, an, that's a part of every day forever and ever. And are you going to praise every day? Because of who he is, not because of what he allows, not because of how good he is, because yes, he's always good. But sometimes by your measurement and mine, we don't think he's being good, but he is. And that's why we praise him based on who he is. So I encourage you to praise him for who he is. I encourage you to praise and commit now to praise forever and ever. Look at verses three through six. I love this passage. Look what he says. It all kind of fits into one, one neat topic. It says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Back in Psalm 145. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of thy glorious honor and of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. Now, did you notice a shift here? In the previous verses, David's saying, hey, I'm going to do this to you. But who's he doing verse 3 through 6 to? It says, one generation shall praise thy works to another. I will speak of the glorious honor. Verse number 6, and men shall speak of thy might, of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. Number three, here's the third I will commitment you and I need to make this morning. I will declare declare the praises of my God to every generation. Listen, recognize it or not, we all instinctively realize that praise is a twofold concept. Okay, stick with me, digest that for a second. Whether you've ever verbalized your understanding of it, you, you do understand this, we all do. We all understand that praise is, both, is twofold. Uh, if we were to praise, for example, a sports team, you know, and I, I think praise is a little bit high of a word, but just kind of understand, we were to celebrate a sports team. We would both sit in the stands and cheer them on, and then we would go and we would talk about how great our team is. That's just what celebration does. Now, again, that's a weaker word. Praise does the same. Where we to God say, you are to be extolled, and I want to bless your name forever and ever. I want to worship you. Hey, Keishai, let me just tell you how good God is. Let me just tell you what he's done for me. Can I just, hey, hey, Carter, Noah, Emma, Abby, can I just show you and tell you how good God has been to me? Recognize it or not, praise is twofold. One to him and one to others about him. We would all recognize it as praise if I got up here and just said, oh man, you know, um, you know, in Sunday school, Miss Racinos did such a great job on the piano. What is that? That's, I'm, I'm praising her work, but I'm not praising to her. I'm praising about her. We all understand that praise is twofold. And with God, it is no different. That you and I should both praise him to him, but at the same time, we ought to tell others about him. Praise is not complete until it comes out of our mouth to those around us. Can I please for a moment have the full attention of every mom and dad? You and I have been given such a platform to teach our children how good God is. Or... We have been given such a platform to teach our children to complain and doubt God. Oh, this bill came in again. It was higher than we thought. What in the world? We're, we're giving, we're tithing, we're being faithful, and now this happens. Now, you might think that in your heart. But the words that come out of your mouth to the ears of your children, teach them to praise or not to. Your faith in the midst of a heartache will teach your children to follow God or not. 
Your courage in the midst of suffering will teach your children to follow God or not. What we're finding is that one generation has a responsibility to praise, not just to teach and bring up in the nurture and admonition, but to praise God from one generation to the next. And David again saying, hey, men are going to talk about you, and I'm going to declare to them your marvelous works. Because every time and in every situation he's worthy of our praise, we ought to offer it to him in private. Yes, we ought to offer it to him in public discourse too. Listen, the kids ought to see how good God is every single week. You ought to, under any circumstance, uh, uh, under, under anything that happens, just tell them how good God is. And I, I don't want to use an example of our own life, but, but recently we had a tree fall in our house, and uh, it, was, it was a bit scary. The thing crashed in, and they were scared. And I just told them, I said, isn't God good? He gave us enough safety. You know, it's so funny. I told my wife, my kids taught me something. The next morning, I'm all like thinking about, man, how much is it going to cost and how much is going to work? And my kids are out there just building forts and all the trees that's down. I'm like, why are you that way? <laughs> But we ought to take every opportunity to teach our children to praise. Listen, 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 listen. You ought to count and make it count every single time you pray and thank God for food. I get it that it's, it's something that you do. If it's not something you do, you should be doing it because you're, 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 you're creating an opportunity to say, hey, kids, I know you don't like broccoli, but God gave it to us, and we're going to be grateful. Gratitude isn't, oh, there's starving people in the, you know, this country. Sure, maybe so, but God gave this to us. He provided for us. He gave us the money to get this food. We ought to enjoy it to his glory. What an opportunity to rehearse the blessings of God in the ears of our children. Listen, that is exactly why we need to commit to the, uh, 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 forgive me, that's why we commit an entire service once a year on Tuesday night during the week of Thanksgiving to praise. You say, oh, it's a bit of a waste of time. You know, the same people are going to say the same things. You You are approaching that wrong. Because every day we should praise him. And what an opportunity as a church to come together. And again, we're going to try to give you the opportunity to think through it ahead of time and uh, really write it down and come prepared and not just haphazardly stumble into some praise. Uh, My desire is that you all week long would fill this thing out. I'm giving it to you tonight. You're coming back with it on Tuesday to say, hey, I'm just going to tell the church family, listen, it's one thing to praise him. That's part of praise. But it is an entirely other responsibility to praise him to other people to recognize the goodness of God in your life, in your every single day. Now, let me just quick tangent. Isn't that what witnessing is? God's been so good to me. I lost what I had in the garden. He pursued me, gave me a promise of blessing. He redeemed me, reformed me, brought me back into it. Man, God is so good. Can I just tell you real quick? I mean, I know we don't know each other, but can I just tell you about, man, God's been so good to me. What do you mean? How has he been good to you? Isn't that the gospel? That the reason he can bestow goodness on you and I is because of this son? and the sacrifice of Jesus? Isn't witnessing just simply you and I praising God from one generation to the next, explaining to somebody else how good God has been to us? And sometimes we forget how good God has been to us, so we don't witness. We're all irritated at God because he didn't answer our prayer like a bubblegum machine or a slot machine, that we don't even explain the blessings of God to other people. Listen, look back at verse number five. I will speak of thy glorious honor and of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. Listen, let me ask you, who did you rehearse the goodness of God to this past week? It's too late to change it. It's already done. If the answer is no one, you did it wrong. If the answer is only a few, you, you didn't do it as best you probably should have. But who last week heard from your lips the goodness of God in the form of praise? Now, probably this week, I don't know where we're at. We're getting close to February. Is February when the Super Bowl is? No one cares. Good. Um, you probably talked about a sports team this week. 
You probably talked about a favorite restaurant. I was, I was, uh, I, we're going on Wednesday night, Brother Anthony, to the taco place. I can't tell you where it is. I'm sworn to secrecy. Brother Anthony found the best taco place in all of Bakersfield. But I can't tell you because then I'm going to have to wait in line. But I, I'll tell people about the praise of those tacos. Woo, baby, they're good. They got a slice of pineapple on top of them and uh, carnitas with this special sauce. It's so good. Some of y'all thinking tacos again. That's fine. We will talk about stuff we love. We will talk about stuff we are grateful for. And then our coworker will say, oh, pray, you know, like, hey, I'm just having a hard time. And we're like, we're not ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that lieth in us. And that's partly because we're not being thankful. We've talked about this. There's a difference between gratitude and thankful, right? The, the lepers who were cleansed guarantee you they were all grateful, but only one was thankful. Only one expressed his gratitude. And God's people are expected from one generation to the next while people are, are, are uh, talking about God for them to jump in. And man, let me tell you about the goodness of my God. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth ought to speak the praises of our God. Listen, the intentional praise uh, that ought to be present in every single Christian's table on Thursday uh, ought not be that much different from what you did last week. This week, we'll all get real intentional. Hey, go around the table, tell me something you're thankful for. That's good. But that shouldn't be so out of the norm that your kids are like, oh, it's Thanksgiving, we get to do this once a year. No. Again, we created a holiday to express gratitude. But gratitude ought to be the normative of every Christian here. That's why we thank God for the food. Lord Jesus, thank you for the food. Amen. Go. Listen, we're closing. Let me just ask you a couple questions. I do want to encourage you to come back tonight and find the reasons for praise. But let me ask you a couple questions just to drive it home. Number one, are you praising him for who he is or just what he's done? Are you guilty of just praising him when he's good? Well, then you're just praising him for what he's done. But a person who praises him for who he is, who he is never changes. Who he is is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he will always be worthy of your praise, regardless of the circumstances or the account balance in your checking. He will always be worthy of our praise. Number two, will you decide right now to praise him every day? and for, forever and ever. Perhaps some in the room have allowed the hardships of life to rob the praise that do, is due to his name. Perhaps you've been basing it on circumstances. You need to decide right now, today starts the day. I'm not gonna wait till Thursday. Today starts the day that I will begin my day or end my day or sometime in my day. I will stop and direct my attention to my God and tell him that I am grateful for him. Today, there's an altar to make that right. And then question number three, Will you declare his praise and goodness to all mankind? You and I are accepting of the reality of his goodness, but are you and I speaking of the reality of his goodness? Are you intentionally engaging others, your children, your family, your relationships as a place where praise comes out? To side today, I will. I will direct my decision-making capacity to praise. Let's pray.